Hello, this is Audrey Mack. The Word of God says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you may prosper, be in good health, just as your soul prospers. So I pray that this message be a blessing to you. Go deep into your heart to work divine transformation, both in you and through you. So get ready, open your heart, and be blessed. God is good. You know, the, the message that I'm going to share tonight and it's not going to be a long message unless the Holy Ghost does something else. But um, I've never preached. I've never preached it before because I was a few days ago in Colorado. I was in the lodge in Colorado by a fire, and I was reading my Bible, studying, and all of a sudden, you know, when the Holy Ghost gives you a download of something, and you're like, you take a piece of paper and you write down, and you're like, man, I like that, amen. And you start looking in, and so. I'm just going to share with you what Holy Spirit is just put in my heart. Amen. Amen. Concerning healing. And you get to be the first one to hear it. Amen. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. The, I, I would, and this is what the, the title would be. What are you considering? What are you considering? And I'd like you, if you have your Bible, to go to Numbers, to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. There is here a passage when the children of Israel, when God took them out, you know, of Egypt, and now they're in the desert. And you know, you, we've heard the children of Israel were kind of a hard neck kind of people, stiff neck. They had a tendency, well, their heart was not changed. So they had a tendency to complain, to murmur, you know, and here God had opened the Red Sea. God had drowned the army, the most powerful army on the earth. God had just done all kind of stuff for them. And then they're in the, and they complain and like, we don't have, no, we don't have this. And I want some meat and I want cucumbers. And then because of their complaining, what happened? All of a sudden, poisonous snakes came from all over the desert, desert and started to bite them. That, no, right there I'll do a little parenthesis. That gives you a little insight of what our murmuring and our complaining does in the spirit realm. It attracts the serpent. Right there, that's, a, that's not part of my sermon, but it's good anyway. When we start murmuring and complaining, we open the door to serpents, to the, to the enemy. Because he loves flesh, dead flesh. And when we complain, we are just, that's dead flesh. Okay, let's close the chapter right here and move right along. And so they were getting bit. So let me read that passage. In chapter, in Numbers 21, verse 4 through 9, he said, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. So this is what not to do if you become discouraged. Don't start complaining. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. How easy it is when we get discouraged to want to talk about the very people that God sent to help us. Why have you brought us up to out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Oh, my goodness. 
the manna that God was giving them, they're like, ah, we're tired, we're sick of it. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they, they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel uh, died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and then the Lord said to Moses, now I want you to notice, when they cried out to God, God didn't, you know, cross his arm saying, you complain about me. Well, you, you just, and you, you know, I'm not going to help you. No, no, no. You see, every time they turned their face to God and went to God, God was so merciful always. You see, and what did God do? He, 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 he told Moses, um, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, at the serpent on the pole, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, you, uh, that uh, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now in the Bible, you know the Bible is full of symbols. And in the Bible, you know when he talks about serpent, it's a type, it's a symbol of evil. It's a symbol of the devil. Amen. And bronze in the Bible, it's always a symbol of judgment. That's why that in the tabernacle, all the, the furniture that had to deal with the judgment of sin were made out of bronze. So now God is telling Moses, build a serpent, put it on a pole, made it out of bronze, and lift it up. Now, why did God tell Moses to take a serpent to make it out of bronze? It's a type and shadow of sin, of evil, of the devil, and everything that comes with it being judged. And it says, when it's lifted up, anyone that will look at it shall live or be healed. Now, you see, we can read through that very quickly without really understanding and seeing what's going on here. Now, one thing we know from the Bible in Colossians 2.7, it says that everything that God did in the Old Testament was a type and a shadow of things, things to come. But the substance is of Christ. In another word, anything that happened in the Old Testament that God asked Israel to do or Moses to do or the children, they were all pointing out to Jesus and showing him, that's just to show you what Jesus is getting ready to do for you. And so here we know, the Bible even tells us in John chapter 3, go there with me if you have your Bible, in John chapter 3, hallelujah. In verse 14 and 15, he says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. And you understand eternal life? It's much more than just going to heaven. Eternal life is a quality of life. It's the life of God flowing in you and through you. 
And so here we see that it says that this is exactly what Jesus, as the Moses lifted up a bronze serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man would be lifted up, so that whoever looks at it would not die, but have full life, eternal, eternal life, everything, the Zoe kind of life, and would live. Hallelujah. Now, you remember when God told Moses to lift up that serpent on a pole? Have you ever gone to a pharmacy or to a doctor, to a medical center? Did you ever notice what's hanging oftentimes over the door? A serpent on a pole. Why? Because that serpent on a pole, that, that whole thing that Moses did, lifting up a, a, a brazen serpent, a, 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 that whole story was around the children of Israel falling dead and getting sick and dying of their sickness and their poisonous bite. And so we hear that this is exactly as Moses lifted up the serpent, Jesus also was lifted up. In John 12, verse 31 at 33, Jesus says, If I am lifted up, I will draw... But how many of you read the King James or the New King James? Did you notice... The, in your Bibles, Jesus says, if I am lifted up, I will draw. And then something funny, you notice the all people or all men is kind of like slanted in italic. And so I ask you why I will draw all and then the man or people is it, why is that? Because the, the translator, in the, the, the one who took the text in the Aramaic or in the Greek, they, when there was a word that was not in the original translation and they thought they needed to add a word, they had enough integrity to put the word in italic to show the reader that that word was added by the trans- translator or translator. So let's read it a little different. Let's take that word out. And let's find out exactly what happened. He said, Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all unto me. Now, you remember what, what, when Jesus, I am lifted up, what was he talking about here? Was he talking about, oh, if I preach about Jesus, if I live the number, no, look at the context. What was he talking about? Just what we read in John 3. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. What was it that the serpent was lifted in the wilderness? At that moment, that serpent that signified evil, sickness, the devil, all of the, the, that was made out of bronze because right there it signified it's going to be judged. When that serpent is made of bronze and lifted up right there, the sin, the, 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 the evil, the, the, the serpent would be judged. And so what in John 12, when he says, Jesus says, now when, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so I will be lifted up. And if I am lifted up on the cross... Like Moses lifted the serpent. I will draw all what? 
I will draw all judgment on myself like a, a, a lightning rod. When you lift up a lightning rod, what is it for? So that the lightning doesn't fall on your house. And here it says, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all judgment on myself so that judgment doesn't fall on you. Like judgment didn't fall on the children of Israel. Those who looked at the serpent were, were healed. Those who looked at the serpent were spared. Those who looked at the serpent received life in their body and healing. And so that's what Jesus did. He was a type, and that was a type of shadow of what Jesus would do for us. When he was lifted up on the cross, 1 Corinthians 5.21, it even said, not only was he judged and he became a curse, he became sin for us. Why? So that you and I, when we look upon him, we can receive life. Zoe life. Hallelujah. But here, this is where I want to go. We have an example here of what to do in case we get hit, we get bit, or we get sick. We've got here exactly what we ought to do when we get in a crisis situation, when we get sick, when not think about it, because we read the story, oh, it's nice, it's a nice Sunday school story, they had a bunch of snakes, and, but we forget the intensity of the story. Let's, for a minute, let's pretend we are right there in the middle of the desert. How many of you ladies, you've seen maybe a mouse in your house? I remember I was staying with a friend, and she saw a little mouse. You know the first thing she did? Please forgive me, Pastor. Please don't be offended at me. It's just, but you know, she stood on, as high on the table as she could. And she kept her eyes on that mouse. I remember when I was a kid, I remember when I was a kid, I was afraid of, you know, roaches and spiders. Man, I saw a bug in the thing. Man, I remember one night I wanted to go to the bathroom so bad. And I went and there was like a roaches down my bed. I stayed up all night on my bed looking at that roach. I didn't know I was too chicken. I was a little girl. I'm talking when I was a kid. Well, you were, had more guts than I did. I stayed up all night, looked my eyes fixed on that roach, and I didn't go to the bathroom. I just looked at it. But here, think about it. They're all in the wilderness, and we're talking here about millions of poisonous snakes, deadly snakes. And all of a sudden, I mean, they come out of nowhere. And have you ever seen poisonous snake? Man, there's some mean one in Florida. And I mean, imagine they all, all of a sudden, thousands. I don't know what kind of snake. There were moccasins, cobra, who, who knows. But they all, all of a sudden, going between their legs and going everywhere, infestation everywhere. People are getting bit. People are falling. People are crying. People and. <laughs> God is telling Moses, tell them to get their eyes off of the snake. And he says, whoever looks, and the word look is the word nabat. 
in Hebrew, and it doesn't mean like a quick look, like you look like at your watch once in a while. It's a, a look that means fixing with intensity. Keeping your eyes glued on something, and you fix your attention. I mean, you keep your eyes on it. Can you imagine? I mean, you have snake going between your legs. You can feel it. You can hear it. And God is saying, get your eyes off that and keep it and keep it glued on that serpent on the snake. Keep it, your eyes fixed on it. Right here, it's a picture. It's a picture of what you and I have to do when we get bit, when we get sick, when we get in a crisis. We've got to take our eyes off of our situation, off of our body, off of our symptoms, and put our eyes on Jesus who is lifted up. But the thing is, how today do you keep, you know, I mean, in the desert, they had a brazen serpent lifted up that they could look. But that's a type and shadow of Jesus. Today, how do you keep your eyes on Jesus? Are you supposed to go and get a cross and just pretend and keep it? No. How do, today do you do the same thing? Well, John 1, 1 says, at the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So how do you keep your eyes on Jesus? How do you keep your, that's right, my brother, you have got to keep your eyes on the Word. You remember, if you were here this morning, I said that the Word is God, and God will accomplish everything through His Word. He'll accomplish His will through His Word. He will fulfill His will through His Word. He sent His Word to heal us. And Jesus is the Word. So how do we keep our eyes on Jesus who is lifted up? Well, Jesus is the Word. So you keep your eyes on the Word. Hallelujah. So don't fix your attention on your symptoms on the doctor's report, but fix your attention on the promise of God, on Jesus, who he is, what he did. And don't let anything distract you. That's the thing. So what are you considering? Are you considering your situation, your symptoms, your, your pain, what you know the doctors say, what you hear here and there, or are you considering Jesus? Because Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. Hallelujah. And oh, please, because that's what most people will do. As soon as they get a report from the doctor, as soon as I hear something or feel a little kink here or a little ink there, they'll go, they'll Google it. They, you know, that's, that's our human nature. We want to know everything about it. You know what? It, we are fixing our attention on our pain, on our sickness, on our symptoms. This is what we are considering. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say, go and look at the symptoms. No, no. It says, get your eyes off of that. Don't go and find out every little detail about your sickness, all the little symptoms about it, and what it's going to do in one month from now, in six months from now, and in one year from now. No, don't try to, because that's what, that's the danger. Because what you 
What you consider will grow. What you consider will dominate. What you consider will take a hold of you. But here it says, don't do that. Consider the word, the promises of God. Hallelujah. Now we have, we said, Psalm 107 verse 20, that God sent his word to heal us so we can fix our eyes on Jesus, on fixing our eyes on the promise of God about healing. What Jesus did, how he did it. Read about stories in the Bible about people getting healed. Read testimonies of what God did, what God does. Even this morning after the service, there is a precious lady who had pain in her neck. And she came, she got healed this morning. We already had somebody getting healed. That's you, isn't it? Hallelujah. She had pain. She came. I mean, instantly she said, the pain is gone. She started to cry. She said, the pain, it feels good. I said, feeling good is good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen to what Proverbs chapter 4 says, verse 20 through 22. He said, my son, give attention. Here again, fix. Give, fix your attention. Give your attention to what? My word. Incline your ear to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Here again, it's saying the same thing. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all your flesh. You know, we have an example, a prime example of a man of God, Father Abraham. And we find out in Romans chapter 4 that he did exactly what the Bible told us about. He fixed his attention on God's promises. Because when God spoke to him, I mean, he was pretty old. And God says, you're going to be a father of many nations. I'm going to give you a son. And then I'm going to give it to you through Sarah. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. And even sometimes that's something we know, but the true question is, do we do it? You know, we've got to be honest enough with ourselves and yeah, I might know that, but is that something I actually do? Because that's the key. You know, that's what God told Joshua. He said, meditate in the word day and night. Then you will observe to do according to what is written, and then you will have good success, and then you will prosper. And that goes, not, that goes in the area of healing. Yes. Meditate on the word of God day and night. And then you will observe to do. And then you will have good success. But let's go to Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4, verse 19 through 21. It says that Abraham was not weak in faith. For he did not consider, hello, remember what I'm saying? What are you considering? What is it that Abraham considered? He says he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. In another word, he refused 
to consider, to fix his attention on his body, on his condition, and on Sarah's condition. He said, but, hallelujah, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Here, Abraham, what, what was he considering? God's promise to him. He did not consider his body. He did not consider his inability. He did not consider Sarah's body. The we can, we know. He, now, that doesn't mean that Abraham denied the situation. It doesn't mean that he ignored his body. That doesn't mean that he ignored Sarah's body. He did not ignore them. He was well aware that he was 90 or 100 years old. He was well, well aware that Sarah was 90 and that she was barren. Even when she was 16, she couldn't have any kids. It doesn't mean he ignored it. No, but he refused to fix his attention on it. You see, most Christians today, when they hear, a, uh, they hear a, a, a report or a diagnosis, they think in their head that they've got to ignore it. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm, no, that's not what he's telling us to do. It's not telling us to ignore the situation. It's telling us, yeah, you know the situation, but refuse to consider it more important. You refuse to spend your energy, your focus, your attention on it. And choose to fix your attention, your heart, your energy, your time on the promise of God. That's what Abraham did. And you know, how? what is it that helped him to consider the promise of God? What is it that helped Abraham to consider the promise of God instead of considering his situation? What helped him? It says that. He says he gave... Glory to God. And he was fully convinced. What does it mean he gave glory to God? I'm going to tell you what it means. Why do you give glory to God? Or when do you give glory to God? When you remember what God, what God has done for you. So what is it that Abraham did during that time? Because sometimes we think, well, yeah, God spoke and bam, it happened, you know. It took what, 13 years? How long did it take? 13 years? Or more, I don't know, from the time God spoke to him until the time he had Isaac in his arm, it took years. But during that whole time, what is it that did? He refused to spend his time, his energy, and his focus on his condition. But he chose to consider, to fix his energy, his attention on what God spoke. And you know what helped him to do that? He remembered what God did. Remember when we got out of the land of earth and how God guided us and protected us? And you know, it says Sarah did the same thing. In Hebrew 11, 11, it says that Sarah received strength. Because she considered God faithful. How do you consider God faithful? You remember what God has already done for you. And it helps you to know that God and become fully convinced that what he has spoken, he will do it. 
So you know what Sarah did? She remembered. Do you remember when I almost was in the Pharaoh's harem? I almost, but how God protected me, intervened supernaturally. Do you remember Sarah? Or do you remember Abraham when we got out and there was a famine? How God blessed us? Do you remember Sarah? Or do you remember Abraham? How God protected us from the enemy when you went to fight against, you know, Sodom and, and, and the princess? Or do you remember? I mean, they rehearsed all of their victory, little, medium, and big. And they considered God faithful. And they knew if God did all of that, then God's going to do it again. And that helps you to give glory to God, to receive strength, to consider Him faithful, and to focus your attention and consider on the promise of God instead of focusing and focusing on your situation, your symptoms, your pain, and what the doctors say. Hallelujah. You know, that's what Jesus told us to do also in Matthew 6. You know... There is such a powerful, that's another message that I actually teach in the series on faith. But so many times we said, people, we want more faith, more faith, more. No, no. God says you don't need more faith. Sometimes you just have to get rid of a type of unbelief. And when fear comes, what do you do when that, that unbelief of fear tries to flood your heart and paralyze you and make you think like the world is going to cave in under your feet? What do you do? You consider him faithful. You consider God and become fully convinced that what he has promised, he will bring it to pass. And how do you do that? You remember every little thing that God has done for you. Do you remember how when you didn't have money to pay your bill and God brought came through and paid your bill? Do you remember when you were sick and God... Touch you and you got healed. Do you remember when you didn't have a job for six months and all of a sudden, bam, God brought you a job? Do you remember how God did this and how God did that and how God saved you and God found you when you were in the pit? And when, and when you, that's why it's so important sometimes to keep ourselves like, you know, a book, a journal. Every time God does something, little thing. Any little thing, any big thing, any medium medium thing, whatever God does, you record it. For in the time when all of a sudden fear knocks at your door and tries to convince you it's not going to work for you that time. So what you do, you don't consider what's going on. But you say, no, I've got to consider God. I've got to set my eyes and fix my eyes on Jesus. I've got to set my eyes on God and consider him and consider him and fix my eyes. I'm going to forget about the situation. I'm going to forget about that, that. No. Yeah, I know it's there, but I'm going to take my attention, my energy, my, my eyes, and I'm going to set them on God and who he is, what he has done. And as you start rehearsing all of those things, faith starts springing up in you. And that's what happened to Abraham and to Sarah. They received strength. Your heart gets strengthened. And all of a sudden, you become fully convinced that what God has said, he will bring it to pass. And then all of a sudden, something happened. Glory to God. There is a breakthrough. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, don't worry. 
Don't fear when you are tempted to be afraid. When you are tempted to cave in. When you are tempted to worry. He said, count God faithful. How do I count God faithful? If you don't have anything to thank God for, look at the birds. They neither sow, neither reap. Your father feeds them every day. Look at the lily of the valley. Man, King Solomon wasn't even dressed like they were. You take a good look at creation and you cannot help but see the faithfulness of God. And it helps you to consider him faithful. And that's where you receive strength. In the middle of the, of, of the, the, the test and the trial and whatever's going on. And that applies with healing, but it can apply with anything. When you are being tested and you're being pushed, because you know the devil would like nothing better but to make you think you are the only one in that situation and that's the worst it's ever been. Uh huh. Hallelujah. We've got to consider God faithful. Paul even told us the same thing. We can see through the Bible the same message. The exact same truth. Take your eyes off the problem. Put them on God. Put them on the word. And then when you find out what the word promises, even if you are afraid, even if you doubt, you see the promise, yeah, God promised that by his tribes, I was healed. Yes, God promised that he shall meet all of my needs according to his glory uh, through Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus. Yet God promised that he will never leave me, never forsake me. With God promised. But then, even though God promised, fear comes in and tries to make you doubt the promise. So what do you do? You can't consider him faithful. You remember what he did and that's when you receive strength and you become fully convinced that what God has spoken, he will bring it to pass. This time, one more time, in your life, in your case. Hallelujah. Paul even said the same thing. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, Do not be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, after you've prayed, what do you do? Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, think on such things. And the God of peace will be with you. It's really saying all the same thing. All through the Bible. Saying it one way or another. But what it's all telling us. When you go through a problem. When you go through a sickness. When you are your back against the wall. Go and get your eyes off of the symptoms. Off of the situation. Even though it's so tempting. Even though it's so easy. Oh, I know it's hard. I know, but it's, just do it. Take your eyes, your focus. Stop thinking and just go and look up on the promise. Spend time meditating on the word. Look, find all the promises. Even if you have to put a CD player and listen to the word. Even if you have to listen to teaching by Pastor Trey. Whether you have to go and get a, 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 an audio Bible. Whatever you have to do. 
get your attention, fill your ears, fill your eyes, fill your heart with the promise of God. Hallelujah. And while you do that, something will happen in your heart. While you don't even realize it. Listen to that verse. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. I read that verse the other day and I saw something I never saw before. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, when you do that part of fixing your eyes upon Jesus and you keep your eyes on, on, on the word, on the promise of God, he said, I will do something in you. You won't even be aware. Here it says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it's temporary. That's comforting by itself. Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When is it working? A far more exceeding and eternal weight. When? While we do not look at the things which are seen. What is it? Our symptoms, our pain, our situation, our diagnostic, or, or, or whatever. While we do not look at what can be seen, but while we look at what is not seen. For those things, what is it that is not seen? The promise of God. Jesus. The Word. Do you, do you, did you get here what it said? I hope you caught that. Because we read, yeah, people stop at the wrong place. It says that our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And people stop there, thinking, well, when I'm going through a tribulation, it's going to work something good. It's going to work something good while and if you look, you fix your attention, not on what is seen, seen your circumstances, your symptoms, but while you look unto Jesus, while you look on the brazen serpent lifted up, Jesus on the cross, while you look on the promise of God, while you look on the, what God did. On, amen. You understand? And then, while you look at what is not seen, the promise of God, while you look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of you, while you look and you set your gaze, your attention, then, and only then, will your affliction turn out and works a far more exceeding weight of glory. What is a weight of glory? The Shekinah, the manifested, the manifested presence of God. And in another word, this is what it's saying. 
God is telling you, don't worry about anything, but fix your attention on me, on who I am, what I did. Fix your attention on the word. And while you do that, and, and it not, might not be easy, it might take you a little time, but you keep on doing that and keep on doing that and keep on doing that. Set your focus, your attention, your time on what I did for you, on who I am, on my promises for whichever area you are being attacked. And while you do that, you won't even realize it, but I will work something in you, a far exceeding great weight of glory. I will manifest something in you, through you, and for you. Your manifestation, your faith, your healing, whatever it is. Hallelujah. But you see what our part is. Our part is to take our eyes off of our problem and to put them onto God. And while we do that, God gave us a promise. And look at, at, at Peter. We got a prime example. What happened to Peter? You remember when he walked on the water? Jesus spoke. Jesus gave him a word, spoke. And Peter looked at the word. As long as he had his eyes fixed on Jesus, the word, he walked on water. But all of a sudden, what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He started to look around. And what happened? When he started to look around, what happened? Fear got in. And all of a sudden, bam, he sunk. But even then, I've got some good news for you. Jesus then didn't let him sink. And Jesus didn't say, you did it, you swam. No, he didn't even let him swim. He went and grabbed his hand and lifted him up. That's how good God is. Mm -hmm. Glory to God. So, we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to close with that that message, with that one verse. It's so powerful. Romans 8, 6. He says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is is life and peace. You know, when we think carnally minded, we think sinful. Mm -mm. What is carnal? Carnal. Have you ever heard, you know, chili con carne? Meat. What does it mean? Flesh. To have your mind set on your flesh or on yourself will produce death. Fear, worry. But to have your mind set on the spirit, on Jesus, will always produce life and peace. And I'll read it in the Message Bible because it's good. The same verse in the Message says, Obsession with self in this matter is a dead end. What is he saying? If you continue to fix your attention on yourself, on your body, on your situation, on your symptoms, on your pain, if you focus on your flesh, on, on yourself, it's a dead end. It's never going gonna, it's, it's gonna to produce fear, death, and you will lose every time. He said, but attention to God leads us into a special, spacious, free life. Attention to God. That's really what God is telling us to do. He's showing us when you're getting attacked, when you feel there is no end, take your eyes off the poisonous snakes. 
No matter how hard it seems, how impossible. I mean, think about it. Those people had snakes. And I mean, they, they, it went everywhere. The temptation is want to go and run and escape, but they had nowhere to escape. It was all there. God says, forget about that. You're talking, that must have been pretty tough to do. But yet God says, that's all you're going to have to do. That's, what, that's the only way out. Take your eyes off your symptoms. Stop considering your pain, your symptoms, your condition, what the doctors say. Stop all of that. Put your eyes on the promise of God. And it's going to produce life, peace. It's going to strengthen you. And if you have a hard time believing that promise, I'll repeat it again because it's good. Consider God faithful. Rehearse in your head all your vic- everything God did for you, for others, and you'll come to the place where you will be able to consider God faithful and be fully convinced that what he has spoken in his promise, he will bring it to pass. And that's when you get to that place, when you get to that place, that that trial will work in you a far exceeding weight of glory, his manifested presence in you, through you, and for you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. For more information on GoTel Ministry, our teaching, our itinerary, and to discover the many testimonies of those who have been touched and healed by the power of God, you may visit our website at www.gotelministry.org. And remember that Jesus came to give you life and life in abundance.